Abandon all prejudices, all ye who enter here. Park your paradigms, perk up your ears, and open your mind as we now shine the laser light of reason on the topic of thought experiment. Finally, the perfect socialistic society. Hello, I'm David Bolton, and welcome to my podcast channel dedicated to helping people think more clearly, make sounder judgments, avoid superficiality, and above all, to unceasingly question instead of naively accepting what others want us to believe, for this is the path of Socrates. My friends, you probably know by now that I'm an anti-ideologue. What do I mean by that? I don't accept all of these fixed systems of thought. Uh, frankly, no matter what it is, whether it's a religious system, a political system, uh, some people have trouble determining at times whether I'm far right, far left, impossibly center, uh, this or that. <laughs> I'm, I'm none of that. I try to reconcile all of those different currents, though, which is almost mission impossible, I think, for myself. And one of the techniques I have for better thinking is the thought experiment. Now, Albert Einstein loved thought experiments, and he came up with, I guess, a lot of his brilliant ideas in physics through thought experiments. Unfortunately, in the area of physics, I cannot compete with him in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> That's not my area. I wouldn't understand most of that subject. But you can use thought experiments in practically any area, and I use them in many. One of them is, of course, the area of politics. Now, let me say that politics, we think politics, we think dirty, dirty politicians. Politics is one of the five main branches of classical philosophy. How should people be governed? Should people be governed? The anarchist would, would ask. Do we need government in the first place? How much government do we need? Should government control everything? Should it control just a minimum amount of things? They're really serious questions. Is my personal belief that anything government does, as far as laws are concerned, should be backed up philosophically. It shouldn't be done for emotional reasons. It should be backed up philosophically. If you raise the taxes on people, you should be able to philosophically justify why people should give more of their hard-earned money to the government and for what purposes. I won't go into details here. Today we're going to do something really fun. Oh, don't you love to have fun with philosophy? That's fun spelled P-H-U-N in this case. <laughs> Have fun with philosophy. The perfect socialistic society. Okay, a thought experiment. One of the beauties of thought experiments is that anything's possible. You could say, okay, imagine we don't have two arms and two legs. We have four legs like a dog, and we live on the planet Pluto because in the planet Pluto now, uh, the atmosphere is like the Earth's atmosphere. Well, you know, we're not like dogs, and we even if we could, we couldn't get to Pluto, and the atmosphere of Pluto wouldn't sustain us. But if it's a thought experiment, you can make up anything you want. The important thing about a thought experiment is getting to the core of something and discovering things, in a way, reducing things, taking other elements away that might, in practical life, have to be included. But here, we're just trying to narrow it down to something more specific so we can achieve clarity. Example here, the perfect socialistic society. Now socialists, they want to have more equity. And that sounds like equality, but it's not the same thing. They want to make people more equal. Of course, socialism in a somewhat more extreme form, communism, in theory, wants to make everybody equal. As Winston Churchill said, socialism is the equal sharing of misery. He was a wise man, not in everything, but in some things a very wise man. But let's think of the perfect socialistic society. You and I now are going to create it. All you have to do is sit back and relax and use your imagination. Okay, we have a big island. And we want to do an experiment to see if socialism can really work. So what do we do? It's a pretty big island. I don't mean Manhattan Island, but someplace there that can hold a good number of people, right? And we select how many people do we want to select for this experiment? 1,000? Let's say 10,000. Like, what would be a not too large town in America. You take 10,000 people and you send them this island. And the island also has a lot of land where they can grow crops and do whatever. But of course, you don't want to starve to death there. You give each of these people $50,000. 
and you give each one a little house. All the houses are the same. And they each have $50,000. And you set up stores there. So the supply chain isn't going to break down right away. They have, you know, supplies are there that people can buy, etc. And so now people have pretty much freedom. Okay, you have to have some kind of police force because among these 10,000 people, some might be evil people that would attack the others. So you have some kind of police force there as well. It's minimalized, but it's enough for 10,000 people. Think, you know, town police, four or five officers, whatever. Uh, I don't know how many they have these days. They might need a lot more these days. But I know Hanover PA police. It didn't have a lot of policemen. I don't know how many they had, but it, I would say Gettysburg PA didn't have many policemen. But anyway, so fine. Finally, we have equity and equality. You have 10,000 people there, and each one of them has $50,000. Hey, let's up the ante. Let's give them 100000 Let's be generous. This experiment is important, right? We'll give them $100,000. And they're products that they can buy. Now, you can't have maybe everything they can buy, of course. Let's Well, let's rule cars out because, okay, they can use bikes because, I don't mean because of global warming or anything like that. Uh, you know, a few thousand scientists have come out against that saying, no, it's not really man-made. But I won't get into that now. I mean, the global, oh, global warming, did I say? They changed the term to climate change when they saw that the Earth wasn't really getting that much warmer in the last 20 years. As a matter of fact, I think it's starting to cool off, so they changed the term. But, you know, these, these people lie all the time. Anyway, uh, like when Al Gore said in the year 2000, by year 2010, there won't be any more polar bears because of global warming. And I read, I think, 2015 or something, there were more polar bears than they were in the year 2000. So <laughs> what can you say about that? But anyway. We have this island, we have 10,000 people, and they have bikes to ride around, and each one is given a bike. They don't even have to buy that. The furniture and houses don't have to buy it. You give each one exactly the same. So they have a house with furniture, they have heating, they have air conditioning, and each one has $100,000. Okay. Now what do you do? Now you simply wait. We're going to wait a year and see what happens. Remember, we started out with perfect socialism. Everybody had equal, because socialism says, what's it about? It's about the Robin Hood principle, take from the rich and give to the poor, distribute the wealth, you don't want it too much concentrated, right? So everybody starts out with exactly the same, with the house and with the furniture, and nobody's needy at all. Nobody's needy. But there are 10,000 people that you select at random. You have to select them at random, obviously, because those that want socialism want to apply it to entire societies and some to the entire world, and then you have a mixture of people. So you select 10,000 people perfectly randomly. You draw, well, I don't know, by computer, no, because you use Dominion machines, it's going to end up crooked. You wouldn't want to do that. You put names of everybody in the country in, in, in a hat, <laughs> a huge hat, I don't know. You select 10,000 people at random there. And they go there, and with, with their family, they have families of kids, or maybe pick people that don't have kids yet. Let's do that. Let's pick people who don't have kids yet. And, uh, hey, let's make them all the same age. Let's make them all 25 years old. So they go there. Nobody has any children yet. And instead of the five waiting a year, let's wait five years. And let's see what happens. Now, question, what's going to happen? They all start out with $100,000, right? Gee, that's great. They all start out with the, the houses. They're all the same, the houses. And they all have the same furniture. The same everything. And as a matter of fact, they're all the same age. We want to, so they're equal there too. They're all 25 years old, men and women. And it's the same number of men and women. Let's make that equal too. Let's rule that out. This is a thought experiment. We can have fun with it, right? But now after five years, what does it look like? Well, are you going to say, well, in five years, fine. Then they all still have their $100,000 or maybe they've spent some, but some you know, set up some kind of work system. So, but they also have $100,000 of the household. Oh, no, my friends. <laughs> if you think that, then forget any ideas you have of, of philosophizing about, about capitalism, communism, socialism, anarchists. Forget that. You're not at that level yet. If you think that after five years, it's going to also be these people living in equal conditions, you don't know human beings. So I suggest that the first thing you do is stop theorizing about politics and society and go to basic human psychology and human nature. You really do need that. This is the mistake that so many make 
especially these ideologues, socialist ideologues, they assume all you have to do is change society and then we have this equity, we have this equality, everything. They don't take into account human nature, as I've, as I've said for decades. Karl Marx, in some respects, maybe, <laughs> no, I, I really don't think so myself, but some might consider him a great philosopher. As a psychologist, he was retarded. He did not know human nature. Evidence of that, when he wrote that after the whole world's been forced into communism, and yes, forced is the right word, right? Because he, well, read Marx, you'll see what I mean. Uh, about 100 years later, everybody's going to be happy with communism, and so they won't need government, so then governments can just dissolve themselves. I mean, what a fool the man was. He, has, he had no idea about what people are like. But let's go back to our island here. Shall we call it utopia? By the way, the word utopia means nowhere. Those writing books on utopia, they knew they could never be realized, but a lot of fools think, well, someday we'll have this socialist utopia, right? Okay, but here we have what could be considered at the beginning a perfect society. Everybody's the same age, and say they're all healthy from the get-go. They have $100,000, they have the same house, the same furniture. It's equality. But what's it going to be like after five years? Once again, if you say, well, they're, they're living merrily and happily because they still all have the same and there's equality, etc., etc., uh, I hate to say it, but if you believe that you're a fool, then there's nothing about human nature. Let me tell you what would happen. Out of these 10,000 people, let's start with the extreme cases. First of all, there's some guy, and I've known people like this, they think, well, I can't have $100,000, but wouldn't it be nice to have $200,000? Let's see if I can make even more money, because there are products to buy. You put a certain supply of products enough for 10 years or whatever. And so I want to buy more products. I'm, I'm, you know, I want to buy better furniture. Buy the, so I'm going to do something that's going to make me more money. There's some people that would do that. There are other people, for example, among 10,000 people, we're going to have some gamblers. So one says, this is great. We have money to live. Uh, and we can do whatever we want. And we can enjoy life. Hey, let's get a little game together. Uh, hey, is a roulette wheel around? No, well, uh, how about some cards? You have some cards? Let's get into a poker game. In other words, after even less than five years, let's just take after one year, you have some people that no longer have $100,000. They have two or $300,000. And some people have nothing. Oh, damn, not only did I lose my $100,000 in that other poker game, now I just lost my house. Well, gee. What do you do now? Well, do now the, the world socialists that have been doing this experiment have to step in and say, wait a minute here, we see after just a year, there's no longer equality. Look, a few people have a lot more money, and the others don't have any money, because they were just spending on things, they were drinking all the time, they were, uh, they were gambling. Uh, well, that's not fair. So, hey, you people, you rich people with 300000 we're going to have to introduce some taxes. And the rich person with 300000 said, hey, wait a minute, I worked really hard this past year. I wanted to get more money, and, and I got more money, but it was all honest, and, and uh, nope, nope, sorry, there's some people with no money. And the rich person said, well, wait a minute, why don't they have any money? Well, that doesn't interest, that sh didn't concern you. You pay us 50% taxes, uh, give us, hey, give us 30% of your money, so we can redistribute it. Is that fair? I contend, no, it's not fair. For the woman who has made a lot of money, oh, did I say woman now instead of man? Yeah, because among 10,000 people, what would you have? They're all 25 years old, remember. You can pick 10,000 people, 5,000 males, 5,000 females are 25. And guess what? A few of these females are going to be stunningly beautiful just because there are 10,000 of them. Then you're going to have men, and this is always the case, that, hey, they want some sex, right? Uh, so what do they do? They go to a woman and say, hey, uh, hey, how about we spend the night together? And some of these girls, some young women, are going to say, uh, I, you're not really my type. Uh, well, what about for $100? Would I then be your type? Get lost, creep. You think you're going to get me for $100? Okay, $500. Well, I don't know. Okay, 1000 She says, okay. See what I mean? If you think there are no women like that, uh, you know nothing about the, the, the oldest profession in the world. And so this woman, also thinking, hey, I wouldn't mind making some more money, but why should I start a business? Hey, I'm so beautiful, I can get $1,000 per, per, per whatever, <laughs> per encounter. And so this woman, after a year, look at this, she has $200,000. But then the all-important state from outside that's doing the experiment says, oh, wait, why should she have $2,000, uh, uh, $200,000? 
where some of these poor guys only have 50,000 because they've been giving her the money for sex. Oh, sorry, ma'am, we have to take some of your money to give it to these poor Hey, wait a minute, I earned that money. You wouldn't believe the things I had to do, she says, to get that money. Sorry, you have $200,000. And we in a socialist society, we control what everybody has. We have to know that. Everybody started out equal, but now look at these poor. Well, wait a minute, it's their fault, she says. They, they want a lot of sex, okay, so they got a lot of sex, but now they don't have as much money. Well, but the socialists say, but sex is important too, so you can't blame them for that. Meanwhile, the, the man who started some kind of business and made $300,000, he's arguing with his socialist masters as well, saying, wait a minute, but these people, they were gambling and, and they were drinking away their money and maybe they were smoking some, some weird plants or whatever. They weren't doing anything, so they have less money. Well, why should I give them money? So, hey, that's none of your business, pal. You just give us some tax money. You see where this leads to. There is no way in hell that after even... A month, everybody would still be equal financially. I've known people that say inherited money, and in no time they spent all the money. I've known people inherited money, and in no time, hey, they have more money. In other words, and this is what ideologues do not understand. Ideologue here, in a in a political sense, means those people think all we have to do is create the perfect system, socialism, capitalism, whatever, right? And then it's going to be much better. Well, I'm sorry, my friends. My friends here is, is, is a masked way of saying fools, because really, I'm sorry, fools. Start out by studying human nature, please. You know, if you get into history, you'll see it hasn't changed much. It hasn't changed much. I remember reading this really. There's certain things that I read, and I don't have a prodigious memory. Some people remember, my God, so many things. But I remember important things, things I know I can use in the future. Years ago, I read a description of a classroom in ancient Rome. Back then, they didn't write things on paper. They had wax tablets. They would you know, scribble the things on and then have to you know, even out the wax again to reuse them. It was a description of a Roman classroom about 2,000 years ago, maybe, I don't know, in the reign of Augustus, I think. I'm not sure about that, though. And they described the typical classroom. They said in the classroom, there was first of all like the scholar type, and he always would be in the good side of the teacher. Then there was the bully, and he wanted to you know, push people around and steal their lunch money or whatever. Then there was the class clown. Then there was the coquette, the girls. The and I thought, oh my God, that's exactly the way it is today. That's exactly the way it is today. And we're talking about 2,000 years of human history. But I will bet if there were such a description of ancient Egypt, 3,000 years before that, it would be exactly the same thing. Human nature really doesn't change much. But all these people who think they come up with a perfect system, we have communism, we have socialism, we have democratic socialism, well, the best of two worlds. We have democratic capitalist socialism, well, the best of three worlds. Why are all these experiments ultimately failing? Because they're not, on a practical level, taking into effect what human beings are like. Yes, my socialist friends, and I know, I know, I have some friends who are associated. I get along with them. Hi, Rob. How are you? <laughs> she listen, hi, how are you? Uh, Rob is a guy I know well through Facebook. And uh, we've met before, as I recall. And uh, we, we disagree and things, but we respect each other. And I, I definitely believe he's a good person. And he won't just disintegrate into insulting me when... <laughs> when I make some good points, and I don't do that with him either. And yes, he makes some good points. But you who believe, yes, we need more socialism, consider my thought experiment. Give me some answers here. Because in theory, and in practice, that's really important, uh, do you know the difference between theory and practice? Let me tell you a little joke. This is a Spanish joke. The Spanish can be quite machista. I think I told this in another episode. I'll, I'll, I'll tell this. It's really worth it. If you want a good laugh. Little boy goes to his father. It's one of my favorite jokes. <laughs> I like to see the expressions of people's face, especially women when I tell this joke. Little boy, he's only like six or seven, goes to his father. Daddy, can you help me with my homework? Well, gee, son, of course I can. What is it? Well, I don't understand this. What does this mean? In theory and in reality, what do those things mean? Oh, gee, son, you're only seven years old. How, how should I explain that to you? Okay, I have an idea. Go to your mom. Go to your mother and ask her if she would sleep with a stranger for a half a million dollars. 
well, the original joke had euros because it was Spanish. I'll turn them into dollars here. And the little kid goes to his mother, Mommy, would you sleep with a strange man for, for a half a million dollars? Why, you little brat, how dare you ask me that? The mother replies, but a half million dollars, well, yes. So the child goes back to the father. She said she would. Okay, now go to your big sister. The kid had a big sister, 16, I mean, really beautiful. Uh, let's call her Jenny. And ask her the same question. Kid goes, knocks on Jenny's bedroom door. Hey, Jenny, yeah? Would you sleep with a strange man for a half a million dollars? A half a million? That's five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, sure I would. And so the child goes back to father. Daddy, she said she would. Okay, son, sit in my lap. Now I'll explain it to you. Okay, what? Well, son, you see, in theory, we have in this household one million dollars. And in reality, the kid asks, in reality, we have a couple of whores. Am, am I hearing laughter there or disgust? It's funny when you tell this joke to women because as you're telling it, you can see in their face when the child says, would you sleep with somebody for $500,000? You can see their eyes light up. Some of them, they're thinking, gee, of course I would. <laughs> but they don't like the end of the joke. But in, in, in a, it, it's, it, it's revealing of human nature. In other words, <laughs> in other words, it's one thing to have highfalutin ideas. Oh, isn't this great? We're going to have a million dollars home or we're going to have a perfect socialistic society. The reality based on human nature is not so pretty. In reality, in that family, they have a million dollars had a couple of whores. And in reality, in socialist society, what happens? I predicted this for decades. I said, in the end, socialist, the socialist societies, those democratic socialist societies are going to collapse their economy because they're spending too much money. Because in order to win elections, they promise the people more money. Oh, we'll give you more welfare. We'll give you more childcare money, etc. They're promising more money, giving more money so they win the next election. And the numbers are going more and more in the red. So there's more and more debt until the end. They can't pay off the debt and they can foresee, my God, by the year 2028, the whole system is going to collapse, collapse economy. What can we do? The people are going to kill us. And then somebody says, well, how about if the people just die? And then what do we have? Well, then we have a pandemic and, for, and almost forced vaccinations. We bully the people in getting vaccinated. And then, oh, we have sudden death syndrome all over the world. Why are these people dropping dead? All these people who were vaccinated, why, why are they dying all of a sudden? Well, it's part of the plan. And it's part of the plan because they know the society economically is collapsing. You see where that can lead. And even if that weren't the case, it'd be a question of time until we have something worse than the Great Depression, because that's what socialism leads to. People vote themselves money. Oh, yes, he promises me more money. Well, I'm going to vote for him. And they do everything they can to get the poor people to vote, because then the, the leftists win, Democrats in America, socialists in Europe. And then there's less and less money until the systems collapse. No people. Look, people say that, oh, I'm against any kind of socialism. That's not true. I remember in 1976 talking to four young men from Kuwait. This was before, long before Saddam's attack, when Kuwait was a small, very rich country. And they told me that in their country, the government that was extremely wealthy because they were sitting on an ocean of oil and the population wasn't too large. So the government, they gave the Kuwaitis, get this, free apartments, free cars, free study, university. You could even study in other countries. The four that I met were studying in Germany, going to the Goethe Institute to learn German. So they could study in German universities, all paid for by the government. They would give you free food. They would give you free everything. If you wanted to have a good job, well, they would find you a job and make even more money. But nobody would. Now, of course, if you were a foreign worker, because, of course, the Kuwaitis didn't want to clean the streets because they had enough money to live. Right. They were everything was given to them by government. But the poor people, like, say, Arabs coming from Arabia, well, they did. They didn't have all these benefits. They had to work hard for their money. But they were guest workers. So that's not really unfair. But they were given anything. You know what I say to that? I mean, that's really socialism. When everybody is given an apartment, they're given a car, they're given free studies, they're given food if necessary. You know, they give they give them whatever they want. I say, bravo. Because they could afford it. They were sitting on an ocean of oil. If, you know, if, well, wait till, wait till you see what happens, especially all you Trump haters. Wait till you see what happens over the next few years. Let me give you a little uh, 
teaser, a little spoiler, everything indicates that the deep state is being taken down. And all of these crooks, socialistic crooks, capitalistic crooks, they're going to lose a lot of money. Read Trump's executive orders, particularly read the Trump executive order 13848. It's from September 12, 2018. Go to the .gov website and look for a Trump executive order 13848 from September 12, 2018 and read it carefully. <laughs> and you might be very shocked. Anybody that took part in treasonous acts in America, even big companies, they can legally lose everything. And what's going to be done with all that, those riches? It's going to be given back to the people. We're going to be facing some good times in the future, but we still have to go through ways of, um, of, of, of great difficulties. You might not believe me. Wait and see. I was sure right about the vaccines. For a year and a half, I've been saying this is some kind of bad plan. These are not good things. And look at what's coming out. Even now it's starting to come out mainstream media. I've been saying this for a year and a half. Many people said I was crazy. Where's your tinfoil hat? Well, now they're not saying that anymore. Uh, wait and see what happens. And I, people are just stupid in general. I mean, they didn't see that it was kind of strange that, that serious uh, scientists, few, but the honest ones, that were risking their lives to say this, some Nobel Prize winner saying, wait a minute, these vaccines, this is a dangerous concept. But they were being censored all over the place. Didn't they think that was strange? Isn't science about debate? Didn't they think it was strange that whereas for polio, it's one vaccine. Smallpox, a lot worse than COVID, one vaccine. Uh, tuberculosis, one vaccine. But for COVID, vaccine one, vaccine two, vaccine three, booster one. Booster, don't they? I mean, as soon as I saw that, I thought something really bad is going on here. And my suspicions have been more than confirmed uh, I don't know if you're looking at the death numbers. So many more people are dying now. See all these athletes dropping dead? People in the blossom of life that are in tip-top physical condition dropping dead on the soccer fields and things like that, or cyclists, or people that have myocarditis that can't practice anymore their sport because their, their health has been ruined by these vaccines. Don't you see that? If you're still living in a bubble, you will see it. And then you have to ask yourself what I'm going to ask you. Why didn't you see that when before it happened, or when it was just beginning, I should say. You know that the Moderna company came up with a vaccine a few days after COVID hit. How did they do that? Because it's because they, they developed that vaccine years before because they knew COVID was coming because it was a deep state operation that had been planned for decades. Maybe you don't know that yet. You will in the future. Believe me, you will. Maybe you still don't believe me, but you'll hear about that. And yet there's still people that are so statist. Uh, this is another thing that gets me. Trump has always defended these vaccines, these kill shots. You would think that the, precisely the political left that hates Trump with a passion, that says he's like Hitler, no, he's not like Hitler, but they hate him like Hitler, that when he defends vaccines, you would think, say, well, I'm not going to get him because the Trump's war must be bad. But no, in that one case, they did just what Trump said. They got their vaccines, and now thousands, hundreds of thousands have died because of it. How stupid is mankind is, is the only thing I can say. You would think at the and also another thing, criticizing the left here. For years they criticized rich people and billionaires. It's not fair because they have so many billions. Look at these billionaires. And yet it's these billionaires that are that are that are all in lockstep with the political left. Yes, get your vaccines, get your vaccines. They trust these people. They trust Bill Gates. For all my lifetime, they're criticizing people. Oh, they're filthy rich. Look, nobody needs to have billions, billions of dollars. We should take their money away. But now suddenly, when, vaccine, when, when, the, when the pandemic is started, suddenly they, they all go, do whatever Bill Gates says. Get your vaccines. Get your vaccines. My God, these people are insane. <laughs> what? You're not a very good leftist if you, if you acted like that. Now, do I think the money should be taken away from just because I have a lot of money? No, I don't think that. I think there's some people who have a lot of money and they got that money honestly. Why not? You have honest people over the place among the poor and among the rich. However, as far as dishonest gains are concerned, should we mention uh, insider trading like Mitch McConnell and his wife or like Nancy Pelosi and her husband, Republican and Democrat? I, they're good Republicans, bad Republicans, good Democrats, bad Democrats. These people want to make it uh, totally polarized. Hi, Milo. Are you listening to me? <laughs> Another Facebook friend of mine who, for him, Republicans are all like evil, all evil. They're all bad. And Democrats, he never criticizes them. 
and every day he's posting. I mean, what world is this guy living in? Uh, I learned this when I was 10 Milo. Uh, they're good and bad people in any larger group. So maybe you should seek them. And maybe if we're not satisfied with the political system of America, and I'm not satisfied either, believe me. You know, George Washington, remember that name? He was against having political parties. He said, if we have political parties, it's going to degenerate into just polarization and insulting each other, yelling at each other. And he was right. And it was already starting in his life, lifetime after he was president. I think we should have individuals running for president, running for office, that should be obliged to put out PDF files describing their plan and how they're going to finance their plans. And if it's seen to be erroneous, if they're promising all kinds of things that they can't pay for, they're not to be taken seriously as candidates. Uh, you know, we're in an interesting time in world history because we have the opportunity now to reshape the future more than ever before. Oh, I know things look worse than ever before, and they are worse than ever before in one sense. On the other hand, great institutions are going to fall. Mainstream medical pharmaceutical industry, the political system, the financial system. We're going to see, at the very least, total reform in all of these systems. And whether you're on the political right, left, or center, I don't put myself in any of these because in some ways I'm a rightist, other ways I'm a leftist, other ways centrist. I am I, I'm an individual, and I think through every issue for myself. If it's an issue I haven't thought through, I prefer not to opine until I think it through. But as far as the perfect socialistic society, I hope you see my point here. You have 10,000 people on an island where they're all, they ha they're given the same opportunities, same educational system, everything. And they're all 25 years old, half men, half women. I guarantee you, some of those women, the beautiful ones gotta have more money, even if they're not prostitutes. Did you notice how often young women that are beautiful they get on YouTube, they put up a lot of YouTube videos. It doesn't matter what they talk about, they have a lot of followers. If they're ugly, they don't have as many. Did you notice that? And you think that's coincidence? No, it's not coincidence. I saw one the other day talking about the Galactic Federation and how the aliens are going to step in and help us at the end with all these problems. Morning, uh, uh, don't hold your breath. <laughs> don't hold your breath. Very good looking young woman. And she had something like 160,000 followers that thought, there's no evidence whatsoever for anything she's saying. And I do believe that there are aliens out there. I think the evidence for their existence is overwhelming. But that there's some kind of galactic federation that, yes, they're going to help humanity and save humanity. I see no evidence whatsoever for that. But 160,000 people apparently like her. But then she's beautiful. If she were ugly, I'm telling you, she wouldn't have nearly that many followers. That's, and that's part of human nature. That's why in our perfect socialistic society, you have 10,000 people. And among, well, okay. 5,000 women, and everybody's 25 years old. If you get a group at random of 5,000, you're going to have some stunning beauties, and you have some that are pretty ugly. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, stunningly not beautiful. I don't want to insult anybody. But hey, that's another thing. People should be realistic. I would never talk about myself as if I'm uh, you know, Adonis himself, because I'm not. I'm 66 years old. I'm bald. I'm too thin. Okay, and I can live with it. <laughs> Somebody says, hey, you know, you should put on some pounds or, or get a toupee. Well, no, I don't want a toupee. I don't care if I'm bald. I don't care if I'm thin. Thin people live more, longer on average, by the way. My grandmother is very thin. She lived to be 94 and a half. I'm going to live to be 103. You, you ask, what? Are you psychic? Do you know that? Well, let's just say I've... <laughs> okay, in part, it's a joke. In part, I'm convincing myself I'm going to live to be 103. I'm not afraid of Alzheimer's. I'm not afraid of cancer. Other things, well, yes, I'd have more reason. I won't go into why I think these things. <laughs> I'm just saying we should have a self-assessment that's realistic. And uh, it's funny, in our society, even the beauties, the real beautiful women don't because they're always buying makeup and things. Even though without makeup, they're perfectly beautiful, but they think they need that because they always have these complexes. But now I'm getting into feminine psychology. Uh, I, could, I could say more than would be healthy for me about feminine psychology because uh, I like to... <laughs> say things that other people don't dare to say. But I don't say things without having evidence and without having thought it through. Uh, that, believe me. So before you get into the debate ring with me, uh, you know, a lot of people like to have their little Facebook debates or whatever. They like to slug it out, so to speak, to use a boxing metaphor here. Uh, but 
and, and some of them, you know, get into debates with me there. And it reminds me of a lot of these boxers that were getting in the ring with Rocky Marciano. You know, Rocky Marciano, Americans say Marciano, but we pronounce Marciano. His real name was Rocco Francis Marchegiano, one of the greatest boxers in the history of boxing. He was world champion for a while back then, up to 55. Uh, his record was 49 and 0. And so many people got in the ring with him, thought, well, look, his style isn't so good. He, he's kind of, he looks a little clumsy and he wastes his energy, a lot of punches and everything, but nobody could beat him. <laughs> and I'll say that, I say this purposely. It's like, I dare you. I would love to have debates on a podcast channel with more people, especially people that differ from me in opinion, but they always refuse me. Well, at least they're not fools. Because before you get into the ring with me, you better really, <laughs> you better be prepared, let me tell you. <laughs> and hey, if you're right about a point, well, you prove it to me and I'll accept it. It's like boxers at the end of the fight. They don't really hate each other usually. They, they embrace each other. Hey, man, good fight. Yeah, you really gave me some... Oh, hey, Mike Tyson and, and, and Buster Douglas. Mike Tyson was the greatest, was the greatest at the time. But the second-rate boxer beat him because Tyson didn't train enough, I guess. Or the other just trained more than ever in his life. And Tyson can respect that. Yeah, I respect people that, that gain points against me in a debate. I respect them. And I'm willing to give them credit for it. But unfortunately, nobody seems to want to debate me. And, and I'm warning you, if you do, be prepared. I'd love to debate with a real dyed-in-the-wool socialist. And I'd love to present this thought experiment to them. And maybe this will encourage you. Give me the answer to this problem, because what people don't realize, and this seriously, to all you people on the right, the left, you religious people to the right, you, you I don't know, atheists to the left, whatever, or well, the atheists of all ilks, I know, uh, agnostics, whatever you are, don't ignore human nature. I know atheists are always fighting against religious people, although they have these ridiculous religious views, and believe me, I, I'm not an atheist. But the naive, primitive religious views of many people, it just, it just doesn't make sense. I'm sorry, my religious friends, but it doesn't make sense. I do believe in a supreme, intelligent, loving, creative force. And I think there's evidence for that. That's why I believe it. I won't get into it now. But all you, with your organized religions, you think, look at the ridiculous dogma they're pushing on you for the purpose of control. And you don't see that. Well, I'm sorry. On the other hand, my atheist friends, you, if you look at the developments, if only in physics, with quantum physics, you used to believe, you materialist atheists, that the atom was a little small piece of particle, something that couldn't be divided. Well, gee, look at quantum physics. Look, and look what happens when you divide those atoms. And look at all those subatomic particles. Look at the multitude there that are moving around. It's like, it's, it almost looks like life, doesn't it? It's something... Wow, it's not just a little indivisible piece of material. So your worldview, atheist materialist, is also falling apart, but you don't realize it. So I'm in none of those camps. I think for myself. And I'm encouraging people to do that. But what happens is people, if they're more the left, they accept socialism. And then they defend it, but they don't begin with human nature. And that's what this thought experiment that I'm presenting you with is for. You give me the answers to this. How we can solve this. 10,000 people on island. They're all 25 years old. Half are women, half are men. But there's a mixture as far as looks are concerned. Looks are concerned. They all have houses. They all have the same furniture. They all have the same amount of money, $100,000. And they have possibilities to buy a certain amount of things. And if you can tell me seriously, you think after even one year, they will all still be equal in what they own, you're a total fool. Uh, really, you are. Because there's not going to be equality. And then how do you solve that? Do you think it's fair that then the socialist masters that are observing experiment come in and say, nope, sorry, you rich man, you have 300,000 now, or you have a million now after five years. Sorry, 50% taxes for the others. And he's saying, wait a minute, though, but a lot of those people were just taking drugs, smoking plants that they found on the island, and they were gambling, and I'm supposed to pay them. Sorry, sorry. But now if we take it to another level, because I'm, I, I don't say this for vanity's sake, but I'm a master at looking at different levels of something. And no brag, just fact. Listen to me in my podcast episodes and you'll see what I mean. The next level is this. What do you do in such a society? We're still on the island now, the thought experiment. And after five years, some, of, some, some people have a lot of money. Others have no money. So it would be perfectly just 
for those people with a lot of money say, I'm not going to give any of my money for those people. They had a choice. And some would say, look, I was warning them. One could say, I have, after five years, I have $500,000. And I was warning a friend of mine, he shouldn't be gambling. He shouldn't just be smoking these plants he finds in the island. He should be doing something to, to increase his own money, but to in, increase the general level of the populace. Because when you do something, make more money, I don't know, maybe the, the, the one man had a really good idea, or one woman, a good idea. Hey, we could, from the elements we find in, in the island, let's make some new products to sell. That will help people or, or make ornaments for their houses or the house are more beautiful. People would find more joy in that. So they're doing things to help their fellow citizens. And on the path, they were making more money. And others were thinking only of themselves following their pleasures and they don't have any money at the end. So what's the, the other layer I'm talking about? Now it gets rough. It gets philosophically and ethically rough. After five years, some have a lot of money. The woman, or maybe the man, you know, maybe the man was prostituting him. So he has a lot of money too, because maybe he's a good looking 25 year old and there's some gay people in the island or whatever, and paying him money, whatever. Uh, the women wouldn't have to pay him because they find enough men for sex, because men want sex a lot more than women. So the women can always find sex, right? But some women have made a lot of money through sex or through other things. And some men have made money with this idea or that idea. And in a way, they've all been contributing to making others at least feel good. But some men maybe go to their prostitute friend every week until they have no money because they're not doing anything else or maybe smoking some joints in their free time. And others have more money. So how is that going to be rectified when, and now it's the next layer, when we see some of us have no money and so they can't buy any food and so they're starving to death? What do we do? Well, you know, from a philosophical viewpoint, ethical viewpoint, there's nothing wrong in thinking they made a choice and now they're going to suffer the consequences of their choice. And that can be good for society if they simply die of starvation. Why? Because then other people say, ooh, I'm not going to waste my money. I'm not going to just dedicate myself to my pleasures because I don't want to end up like that. So it's a good example for, for the children of those people that the parents can say, look, son, I know you haven't been working too much and studying. Do you want to end up like that neighbor of died of starvation? Well, dad, no, I don't. Well, then let's study what he did. He gambled a lot. He was taking drugs all the time. In the end, he had no money. He died of starvation. Do you want to end up like that? No, dad. Well, then maybe you shouldn't act like that. Gee, dad, that's a lesson for life. You see what I mean? Ethically, there's really nothing wrong with that. After all, we all have to die sometime. If you decide to jump off a 10-story building, uh, you're going to die unless the winds are strong and they blow you to the nearby river. Okay, there are some exceptional cases. <laughs> Let's make it a 100-story building and then you're going to die. Whatever, right? But you can't complain on the way down and start cursing the force of gravity. If you, if you made the decision, jump off building, you have to accept the consequences. And there's nothing good or bad about that. It's just the way it is. And if you're given the, the money to buy food and you're given the possibility to have time to be creative, to do something that contributes and where you can make money and you don't do it, then why shouldn't you suffer the consequences? I'd like to ask my socialistic friends that why shouldn't you have to suffer the consequences? And above all, why should the other people be forced to sacrifice what they have earned one way or the other, as long as it's honest? Why should they have to sacrifice what they've earned since it's because of their diligence, whether it's because of working a lot, coming up with good ideas, prostituting themselves, in any case, they're giving something to society. And yet, why should they have to sacrifice some money to support those that weren't doing anything? You please explain that to me. On our island here with 10,000 people that are all started out the same. And I, I give this thought experiment because somebody say, no, but what about the poor old widow that is blind? We can't let her die, can we now? They play on the emotional strings. I would agree with that. And I would think in that society where everybody's 25 years old, they would think, well, someday we're going to be old. We're going to have weaknesses. Maybe we can't see. We can't, we can't work. So do we all want to agree to do something for ourselves when we're that age and for our children? I think, most, I think they would agree to that. But if some people say, and this is real fairness, this is real justice, if, say, out of 10,000 people, 200 say, no, we don't want any part of that. We want to make enough money. We have enough money. We'll be able to take care of ourselves somehow. We don't want to contribute to that system. Say, okay, fine. But if you lose your money, don't have anything, and you're poor, old, and blind, you're going to starve to death. And they say, fine. If they accept that, fine. 
And then if the, at the end, because some people have money, but then they lose their money and they end up dying in poverty. If that's the case, let them die in poverty. We have to die some way or another that they would serve as examples for the younger people. What's wrong with that? I don't see that as unjust. On the other hand, even though it's not unjust, if you see somebody that wasted his or her money gambling and, and now they're dying, there are going to be people who think, I don't want to have to, I want to be a good Christian. For example, I'm going to help them. I'm going to give them some food. And I might be one of those people. I'd say, I don't want to see that person die here, friend. Have some food. But in addition, I'd say, you want to pull yourself out of that condition? Okay, let me teach you how you can do something useful so you can build yourself up again. It's the old metaphor of it's better to teach people how to fish rather than just uh, give, them, give them a lot of fish, right? Just don't give them a lot of fish. Give them a fishing rod, that's it. Give them a fishing rod and teach them how to fish. That's what I would do. And until then, I would give them some food. So now we're talking about charity. Yes, these people can live off of charity. And there are always some people willing to share. That's, that's perfectly just. And it's applaudable. Bravo for you people that are so charitable. What I'm against is some socialistic society saying, sorry, we decide who gets the money. And you're going to give some of the money that you earned or inherited, whatever. You're going to give it to these other people, whether you want to or not. That is one step before dictatorship. But once again, for my socialist friends above all, you explain to me how in, in this thought experiment, 10,000 people, half men, half women, all 25 years old, they all have a house at the beginning, they all have furniture, they all have education that's free, and, and they all have products to buy, and they have each one has $100,000 to buy those products. And what's it going to be like, like after just a month? You're going to see how inequalities start up. Say, well, some are more intelligent thing. Well, no, but a lot of intelligent people live in poverty. There are some intelligent people who live in poverty. And there's people who are not so intelligent. They make a lot of money because they're active. And, and they, so how is that going to work out? You give me the solution to that problem. What do you do after one year, after two years, after five years, after 10 years, after 20 years? You have some people really rich and some people really, really poor. And why should those rich people that have been active doing things, why should they have to give the money to the poor people? Of course, you can say no, but in real society, some people just inherit the money. Well, but now you're talking about the rights of parents who have something. It could be a poor family too. This, this relatively poor family has something of value. Son, I can't give you any money, says the father on his deathbed in a poor family. But here, here's something I would like to hand down to you. What is it, dad? It's a golden watch that belonged to my great granddaddy. Here, I'd like you to have it. Hand it to your son then. But then the state finds out and steps in. Hey, other poor people don't have golden watches. Hey, give us this watch. We're going to sell it uh, or melt it down for the gold and distribute it. Is that really fair? I don't think so. It doesn't matter whether it's one golden watch or 100 golden watches. The people inherit the money, assuming they got the money legally. Well, I know that's a thorny question. I know that's a thorny question. But in this thought experiment, Considering the fact, I think everybody would agree, after one year, two years, three years, you have more and more inequality. What do you do then? Answer that question for me. Hey, let's have a little talk about it. Rob, maybe you're up for it. Milo, maybe you're up for it. <laughs> Anybody out there, are you up for it? I'd love to hear your opinions on this. Because I'm, I'm not one to say socialists are wrong in everything they say, because they're not. Sometimes they make very good points. But they overlook other things. Because they're in this... I ideologue mindset. Socialism is good. I'm not in any mindset. I don't say capitalism is good. Capitalism, I, I'm going to do not talk about the evils of capitalism, just I do about the evils of socialism. But the problem here is not, is not the, but the socialist idea of helping the poor. You can do that with charity. You don't need a socialist society for that. The problem is, since we're moving towards socialism and religion is being lost, there are less and less people that contribute to charitable church organizations because not many people are going to church anymore compared to 60 years ago. It used to be people contributed more to churches because they were going to church. Now they're not. So there are less people to give money to charity. And so then the state has to do it. And then the state becomes oppressive. That's what's going on. So yes, my anarchist acquaintances, <laughs> you make some good points too about the evils of any government. Once again, you're in the same trap with those who favor 
totally total capitalism, total socialism, total anarchism, or even the mixers. The mixers are doomed to failure as well. And they're all doomed to failure, not because of your ideal ideology, but because of human nature. That is why the main question has to be, how do we deal with human nature and the weaknesses of and the, the bad things in human beings and the foolish things in human beings? How do we deal with that? That should be the first goal. And if you tell me, well, it's just with good education. Look at the things they're teaching the kids. These days, teaching them wokeism. You do things can make a better generation. I guarantee you it will not. On the other hand, in the old days, teaching them, you know, Bible fundamentalism, that's not going to do it either. We need something above all of that. We need something above all of that. And yes, I have solutions for that. I'm not going to present them here. It would be much too long. There are ways that we can shape a much better future, but we must distance ourselves from ideologies. An ideology, listen to some of my past episodes, is a belief structure. It's not just a set of political views. No, it's deeper than that. Don't look for the dictionaries to see what an ideology is. Listen to me. I'll explain it to you psychologically what an ideology is. It's a belief structure. It's a collection of beliefs, things that you hold dear that you put together to make an ideology. That's what socialism is. That's what capitalism is. That's what Nazism is. That's what communism is. Truly, <coughs> that's what anarchism is. And this is why I'm an enemy of all ideology. Because when you have an ideology, you have this belief structure that is firm. Listen to a socialist and how he won't do anything to question his own social... No, socialism is the way. Or a capitalist, the same thing. A religious person, the same thing. But talk to me and you'll, and you'll meet kind of a strange creature you've never seen before. Somebody who's flexible in all of these points and somebody who's not an ideologue because I'm not. So somebody right-wing might accuse me of being a leftist and, and left-wing people accuse me of being a rightist and others say you're too much in the center and they, they're not seeing who I am. Secretly, I'm really an alien reptilian that's come to another planet incarnated as a funny-looking human being to help teach mankind some lessons he's going to need in the not-so-distant future. That's who I really am. <laughs> and yes, I say it jokingly. I'm not crazy. But who knows? Maybe it's true and I just haven't realized it yet where I really come from. But <laughs> seriously, what I'm saying, people, is cast aside your beliefs. If you're like a, a right-wing Trump supporter... Don't put so much weight on that. Question that. Question your beliefs. If you're a left-wing Biden supporter, <laughs> uh, are there any really left-wing or any Biden supporters out there? I think the left, left wing is more embarrassed by him. But anyway, big revelations coming, people. Oh, my God, the revelations are coming. Uh, but I, I'm, what I'm trying to do is pull humanity to a higher level. I, I, I can only affect a few people now. Not many people listen to me. If more listen to me in the future, I'm going to have a greater effect then. But, you know, if I'm just to reach a few people, uh, that's fine. But I think it's time for people who see more than others to help others raise themselves to a higher level of consciousness. And without wanting to brag, because this is simply factual what I'm saying to you here, uh, I see a path that humanity should take. And it's not capitalism or socialism or anything. It's a system of reforms that will put philosophy in the center. In other words, true ethics, true philosophy. I don't mean Nietzsche. I don't mean a lot of these fools that paraded as, as and charaded as philosophers. No, I don't mean that. I mean getting to ethical values that are not only deep, but that are justifiable philosophically. And that is a basis. However, we must always take into account human nature. And then the question becomes, how can we positively and unobtrusively modify human nature? That's what it's about. It's going to be a long path because some people, it's just not going to work. So there the question becomes, how much government do we need, etc. But all these questions that people start to debate, socialism against this, against this, uh, they should really be debating more basic things. And the first thing we have to analyze and get to know better is human nature, starting with ourselves, with each individual, and moving out to others and recognizing what people are like, the good as well as the bad, and then thinking, how should we set up a society in the new times that would take into account human nature, that would somehow get, try to get around the imperfections of human nature and set up a system that nonetheless is fair is really fair for the people. That's the goal.
and I'm talking about it now. I've said these things for years, but I wasn't really talking about them publicly. I'm talking about it now because we have, I will say, maybe even a once in a millennia chance, a millennium chance, to do these things. The changes you will be witnessing, you've witnessed some already, the changes that are coming in the next few years are going to blow your mind, I guarantee you. Revelations will be made that most of you out there can't even imagine. Those that listen to me can't imagine them. Oh, you might think I'm crazy. Just wait and see. Just wait and see. And so now, for all you philosophical thinkers out there, now is the perfect time to formulate how we wish to move into the future. And thought experiments like I did with socialism, we could set up another one for capitalism, looking at what capitalism is really about, because most people don't know what it's about. Some use it as, a, as an insult term. Oh, he's a capitalist. That's not what capitalism is really about. They haven't recognized that. We could go into communism. Hey, fascism, I'm open for any idea. <laughs> no, I don't want fascism or communism or socialism. Uh, capitalism, I do want but a very carefully controlled capitalism, which we do not have. And we do not have it because in every society of people who take advantage of the system, no matter what the system is, socialism, communism, you always have people who take advantage of it. In capitalism, those who take advantage of it can really make a lot of money. But the question is, why are we allowing them to take advantage of it? And then we get into questions like the, the, those who are really controlling our society and the deep state and such things. It goes deep, people. Oh my God, it goes deep. But in the next few years, we're going to see things, we're going, we're going to see the sky clearing up, I believe. And we're going to have a once in millennium opportunity, maybe once in world history. The first chance we'll have in world history to put all of humanity on a much better path. So now is the time to think about that. And now is the time to tear down old and useless belief structures. And to those structures belong the polarization we've seen Communism social, slash socialism against evil capitalism. Or capitalism against evil socialism, no matter, or, or this religion against that one. No, it's time to tear that down by, by thinking, by philosophizing, by digging deeper. And then, I'm not a destroyer, really. Well, I am in part. But I always want to present something better. This should be destroyed. Socialism should really not exist. However, because there are certain situations we don't want to put up with, like people dying of starvation in the streets, okay, then we can do this. But you can solve those problems without socialism, believe it or not. You can. It requires more thought, and it requires more subtlety. But of course, any ism, Nazism, communism, socialism, capitalism, are therefore the people who aren't really subtle thinkers. And so they, they latch on to isms. I'm a capitalist. I'm a progressivist well i love i like progressivism or communism or this ism or anarchism or the uh, no we have to become more subtle thinkers and always being very ethical and fair thinkers and then take into account human nature and then work out something that would work that, that really would work in society taking into account human nature which which karl marx never did socialists never do that Capitalists do it to a certain degree, somewhat more, but not as much as they should. That's what we must do. And now we have a wonderful opportunity to work together, to think together, to think deeply together, not ideologically, but to think openly, to exchange ideas, to hone our ideas as if there were knives, make them sharper and sharper, to perfect our ideas, to build up a better world because the opportunities are well, they're, all, they're always there somehow. But next few years, we're going to have much, much greater opportunities to do that. So now is a time not for divisiveness. It's a time to work together. But in order to work together with me, you have to have an open mind. You have to want to think more clearly. You have to be able to take some blows. When you get into the ring with me, yeah. And you do it to me too. If I have some ideas that don't make sense, point out why they don't make sense. And first of all, getting back to the thought experiment here, Explain to me how you're going to solve that problem of the 10,000 people on the island. And don't give me anything superficial because we, you know who I mean, we avoid superficiality and we unceasingly question instead of naively accepting what others want us to believe because this is, as you know, 
the path of Socrates. Thanks for listening, people. I wish you a fine day or night wherever you are, and until the next time, bye now.